0: Love Talk Radio Another day Another chance
1: again to Riding the Wave. I'm your host, Mark Healy, the managing editor of The Wave, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. And we just had a great interview with Assemblywoman Nicole Malliotakis. Uh, She uh, not only uh, visited The Wave uh, in our offices and and checked us out and sat down with us for a sit-down interview, she also took a tour with us of Beach 116th Street. Certainly want to thank uh, all the folks from uh, you know, the Rockaway Business Alliance, uh, sp- specifically, uh, uh, you know, the folks that were there uh, to take us around the businesses. We got to talk not only to uh, the business owners on Beach 116th Street, but also a lot of folks uh, that were walking by. Uh, our good buddy, Danny Rusillo, uh somehow found us uh, <laughs> on this street and uh, spent some time uh, with the Assemblywoman to basically communicate, um, you know, what Rockaway needs, what Rockaway is lacking uh, under the current mayor, and certainly uh, being here, showing up is always half the battle, uh, as a famous person once said, and she only, not only showed up, but she spent a lot of time on on, uh, Beach 116 Street today, listened to a lot of people, a lot of people had a lot of good things to say to her. And, um, you know, it was uh, certainly, uh, you could check out some of it on our Facebook page. If you go to Facebook.com slash The Wave News, you can check out uh, our live video that was shot by our assistant editor, Anna Spivak, earlier today. But uh, without further ado, let's get right down to it. Uh, And this is our interview with Assemblywoman Nicole Maliotakis. Okay, we're talking with Assemblywoman Nicole Maliotakis, and she's running for mayor against uh, the incumbent Bill De Blasio. And she not only took uh, the time to visit here, us here at the Wave today, but she also took a great tour of Beach 116th Street just to get a sense of, you know, what the people in Rockaway are up against. So. You know, just on that little tour going and, and talking, a lot of people came up to you and were asking you questions. What was the, your first, seeing everything for the first time, what was your first impression of Beach 116th Street?
0: Well, I, I first thing that hit me is I feel there's a lot of potential there. Um, it's it's um, interesting because it's such a, a great location because you're right between the beach and the bay, and uh, that in itself uh, lends itself to a, an attractive um, economic environment, some real opportunities here that I don't necessarily think are at their height. Um, I think, with the, for instance, when we went on the beach, we visited the sandbar. The sandbar uh, has been vacant since uh, 2012 when Hurricane Sandy hit. And uh, like businesses on Staten Island that, you know, never recovered, um, it becomes a blight in the community. And I think, they're, they're you know, I've I've always said that there should have been some incentive for businesses to rebuild following Hurricane Sandy, some type of help. It's not even a matter of incentive, it's about helping them because really what they were offered were loans when they could have used some help, whether it be waiving some property tax or waiving some water bills or waiving something to help alleviate the pain of of all the economic loss they've ever experienced plus the rebuilding costs. Uh, And that never came to fruition under this administration. Um, So in in addition to some of the blights that you see from from businesses that just never recovered and vacant storefronts, um, what you see is is a community that I feel could really uh, benefit um, by addressing some of the quality of life issues that have been plaguing the city. So there's there's clearly an issue all across the city um, when it comes to homelessness. Street population is up 40%. Uh, panhandling uh, is aggressive, and, and that in itself is, is a crime and should be uh, addressed. Um, and there's uh, issues that were brought up to me about sanitation, litter litter on the beach, maybe not picking, having sanitation, picking up um, the trash fast enough. Uh, in other parts of the city, in Brooklyn, what I've heard are pilot programs that are going on in which you're not collecting bulk items. So it's kind of the opposite. So here you're having just regular trash cans, which is an issue all across the city, by the way. Um Parkslope, Bay Ridge, other parts of the city have complained about sanitation not being picked up readily. But then you have the issue, of course, of of these pilot programs that have been unsuccessful and really should be scrapped because uh, they're not picking up the bulk items, which is leading to um, litter and and illegal dumping. Um, So I think for for this community in particular, I think it's got to be a combination of enforcing quality of life crimes, right? This mayor has gotten rid of uh, the penalties for Public urination, not tying the hands of the police department, not allowing them to address um, aggressive panhandling. Um, Then you have the issues of of homeless shelters wanting to build 90 homeless shelters across the community. Um, Rockaway has certainly been targeted for that, and and Rockaway, and just like every other community across the city, will reject that. I mean, it has to be more aggressive plan about transitioning people out of the shelter system. Uh, putting more of an emphasis on supportive housing to help them address their underlying needs, uh, and also uh, affordable housing. So I think those, that's where, instead of building 90 homeless shelters, why don't we build units of affordable and supportive housing? Um, I also believe that there's been a combination of regulations, taxes, uh, that have come out of city hall, the state, or federal government that have all come out at the same time and have hurt small businesses in general. So there's a lot of concern from whether it's the businesses I met today at the Rockaway community, whether it be the Restaurant Association, whether it be the Bodega Association. Um, there's just so much concern about every, all these penalties, like the, you had know, the paid sick leave, you had minimum wage, you had um, Affordable Care Act, you had um, predictive scheduling, a lot of policies coming out all at the same time, uh, not giving um, the communities and the, the small businesses the time to adjust and, and kind of phase in. So that has been, I think, very problematic across the board. Um, that's, that's why a lot of businesses uh, feel that it's not a friendly environment here for New York City. And so there's not an incentive for a new business to come in and replace the sandbar. Um, and so I think it's got to be a combination of getting that that one investment, which you may, be, you may have with a, a, a condo and, and you know, storefronts at the bottom, um, that maybe starts the trend of now other things building up around the community. But you need an environment that allows it. You need an environment that allows for these businesses to grow and succeed so then it becomes a hot spot and more people come. Uh, this becomes a destination for residents of Queens, residents of New York City, and then people from out of the state and to, to come and visit as a tourist destination. So I think it's, it's got to be um, – first, got to deal with the quality of life Then we have to address the issues of overregulation, of mandates, of fines and fees that are crippling uh, these small businesses. And then, um, you know, we can we can, I think, turn around the community.
1: When I, you know, I talk to people about uh, the fact that, you know, when the moment when President Trump was elected, uh, Mayor de Blasio decided he was going to run against Trump. You know, he wasn't going to run against any other candidate. Uh, he was going to set himself up as the leader of the resistance quote unquote, and he was going to run on that so I know that his uh he's making efforts to put a red hat on you that says "Make America great again." you know I know that those efforts have been there to certainly uh, make you into a candidate a trump a trumpian candidate rather than someone who is focused on the issues mm-hmm. and 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 looking at, you know, de Blasio's record rather than his party affiliation. Sure. Can you speak to that a little bit about well, those efforts that are being made?
0: Yeah, I mean, if I had his lousy record, I would try to deflect as well. I think, the you know, this election is not about Trump. It's about traffic, transit, and trash and all the quality of life issues that he's ignored and have deteriorated because he's off fighting a national ideolo- ideological war instead of actually addressing these these issues that are really important are affecting everyday New Yorkers. And so I think the mayor should talk less about Trump and give people a reason why they should re-elect him, um, because to date, I don't know, I mean, with his record, I think um, there's a lot of people that are upset with him and his lack of leadership.
1: Let's just say for argument's sake, let's say that uh, I, everything that you just said is 100% true. What's to stop them from saying, well, de Blasio, at least – this is devil's advocate, of course – de Blasio, at least, will fight against all these Trump, you know, Republican Trump issues. So if we vote for Nicole, then we're going to get, you know – uh, uh, like a Trump kind of person in, in, the, in, the, in the mayor's office?
0: Well, I think, first of all, uh, you know, when the mayor tries to tie me to Donald Trump, it's very disingenuous because uh, I was the state chair for Marco Rubio's campaign. That was my choice for president. Um, aside from that, I think that I should be judged by me and what I'm offering to people and what I'm saying I want to do um, and not by what anybody else in my party is doing. Um, and third of all, I think as a Republican, quite frankly, I'm in a better position to push back against uh, policies that may hurt New York City or, or advocate for those policies that will help New York City because I can build a relationship and lobby them, just like I can work with Governor Cuomo. I mean, our mayor has shown an inability to work not only with the Republicans of Washington, but to not be able to work with the governor of his own party. I want to extend send a hand to Governor Cuomo. I want to work with him to fix this transit mess. Uh, I believe that we need to work in partnership because it's going to take a lot to upgrade all the signals that are on all the all the train lines across this city. And you have a mayor right now who just, you know, you've train derailments in your city and you have dozens of people injured, your citizens injured, and you just turn a blind eye to that there's a problem. And when the media is asking you questions, you just walk away or you're blur- blaming uh, Governor Cuomo. I mean, that's not what a leader does. So I'd be on the phone today talking to Governor Cuomo, talking to MCA Chairman Joe Loda Let's find out. We have an idea of what needs to be done, right? It has to be a matter of upgrading the infrastructure, upgrading subway signals. Um, And if you do that, that one thing, upgrading subway signals, which is a long project, it can't be done in four or five years. It has to be done over at least a decade. Um, But we need to get it started now. And right now we have someone as mayor is not willing to do that. Um, Every city, all the major cities anyway, Paris, London, Copenhagen, San Francisco, Vancouver, they've all invested in changing their subway signal system into a compute, com, communications-based signal system, which allows, first of all, more reliability. You allow the train, more train cars to run per hour, so you're getting more capacity, so less trains will be overcrowded, they'll be more reliable, they can run closer together, so the time in between them will be less. That's what we need to be doing as a city, and if the mayor is not going to work with the Governor, we have a major problem and if he can't work with the president and can't try to get federal funding for these projects, we're going to have a major problem. so he can't work with either. I can work with both, and that's why people should support me You,
1: you, you spoke so eloquently about that you know my next question is is really going to be about communication, uh, like that segue um, <laughs> The big thing for us has always been, uh, you know, as someone who has worked in, you know, media for over 20 years, who's been a broadcaster, I've been a journalist. Biggest thing for me is when there's a lack of communication, there's an abundance of speculation. I mean, I, I live by that. And when we don't hear from the city, when the city ignores us, when the city, when we invite the city to come to the wave, we invite the mayor to come to the wave. We invite the mayor to take a tour of beach 116th street. Um, you know, and, and his response always is, well, my brain is with you, or, well, don't worry about whether I'm there or not. Worry about, you know, worry about that uh, I, I, you know, helped you get the boardwalk. First of all, that was FEMA that mm-hmm. got us the boardwalk. And secondly, the ferry, though I give the mayor credit for getting the ferry, you know, getting the ferry implemented, um, it could have been done a lot sooner, and it could have been done a lot more effectively, because let's be honest, the ferry, there's, there's lines and lines and lines of people because they didn't listen to us about that they needed bigger boats, that they needed more trips per hour. So for me, what do you think your record on communicating with your constituents mm-hmm. is and how important of a, of a you know, premium do you put on that communication?
0: Well, I think if you were to talk to my constituents, whether it's a local senior center, or whether it's the local civic groups, um, they would tell you that I'm, I'm visible in the community. I come and talk to them from time to time about the issues that are plaguing them uh, and what their concerns may be. And I would do the same as mayor. I mean, I think it's really important to get community input. I think, uh, you know, People ask me how I would approach this or that or different issues like bus lanes, for instance, or, you know, and that depends. It's a, or, or bike lanes. It depends. It depends on the community because some communities, it fits. They want it. Um, it's important to them. Other communities, it may not work. Um, so it has to be – can't be one cookie-cutter approach across the city. You need to really get to know the community, what they want, how they envision their their neighborhood um Experience to be right, so I think that's number one. I mean, this mayor sure has a lot of time to go to Germany or go to 26 other trips, which I've foiled. I've i asked for a Freedom of Information Law request into the cost to, to taxpayers for all these travel these travels that he's done around the country and the nation that aren't directly related to his job. Um, so if he can go to Germany, he can certainly come to Rockaway Beach, and you know that's what I'll be doing
1: certainly. Um, you know the other thing too is is that. Uh... Gail Johnson, our reporter, is enthusiastic, uh, enthusiastically pumping her fist <laughs> on every answer. So, um, but I digress. I think, I think I was a little too long on that
0: first. No, thing. it's Sorry, okay. Was, it's I all good. Little, you know, it's too much of a lengthy rant. It's,
1: it, when, it doesn't matter how long it is if it's, if it's coherent. You know, no, and, people and listen for the long haul. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you talk about listening to the community. Well, this community does its homework you know no matter what civic you go to whether it's the Rockaway Beach Civic whether it's the Community Board 14 whether it's you know the Bell Harbor Property Owners Association mm-hmm. these people do their homework you know you can't and you said the magic word cookie cutter approach not and Rockaway is a, a very big peninsula so there are communities in Rockaway where things fit that don't necessarily fit uptown downtown Edgemere, Arvern, there are, there are so many different communities that have different needs. And so many times, the people in those communities do the homework. They get the intel. They get the boots-on-the-ground information that is so critical in making these decisions. They put it all together. They, they do these presentations at these different meetings, and Gail covers them all, and Anna covers them, and I cover them. And our, our, you know, our editorial staff is always out there covering these meetings. And we see the same thing over and over and over again. this plethora of information being offered to the city free of charge people do this you know they're not paid to do this and time after time after time after time it's ignored and then they wonder and question and mock you know the people who then complain yeah. whether wow. it's the, you know whether it's the size of the ferry, whether it's the amount of uh, a, a time it took for the boardwalk to get finished and then renege on the, when it's going to be open because then businesses make their plans, right, based on mm-hmm. how long the, the boardwalk's going to be open. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, will you listen to the information that's offered to you by the people in those communities where they live?
0: Yeah, I think only a dictator says what we're going to do without listening to people. And uh, I think that the community is the one that should have a say. And again, as I mentioned before, what the neighborhood looks like. Now, what the thing, what I've noticed about this community, um, it, you know, like my community of Staten Island. I represent Staten Island in Brooklyn, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. But Staten Island in particular, my district was devastated by Hurricane Sandy. We had thousands of, you know, of Individuals who were left without a home, hundreds of families. We had helped in my particular, my office alone. We had helped navigate a red tape and bureaucracy of the built it back. I mean, that is one of the perfect examples that the people of Rockwood, the people of Staten Island, the people of Breezy Point, Garrison Beach, and across other parts of the city know um, as the perfect example of mismanagement, right? I mean, that is a program that has been a disaster since its very first day, Um, and you know, the mayor did promise that. By, by the anniversary date last year, 2016, that every, all the reconstruction would have been completed. And here we are, and it's still not completed. And what we're finding out is people are being kicked out of the program, people that were promised one thing are being told they can't do that thing and being offered something else instead. Um, we're seeing uh, the cost of, to rebuild homes being ridiculously overpriced, I mean, over overbudget. Um, and we're seeing a situation where there seems to be an incompetency uh, among the contractors, among uh, and the other individuals within, working within the program, there really needs to be an investigation, quite frankly, into where did all this money go? Why is it now half a billion dollars over budget? And why did it cost so much to build homes that were valued just half as mu- half as much before the, the storm? So. Um, all you need to know about mismanagement under Mayor De Blasio, and I guess points to issues in various agencies. Whether it's DGC with design and construction, whether it's Department of Education, um, you know, there's so much waste and so much uh, mismanagement. That, but the people of this community need to go look no further than the Build it Back program.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, you're certainly, you're preaching to the Rockaway choir. When you talk about uh, mismanagement and competency, uh, you know, it's, and again, you know, for me as a journalist, you know, my job is to hold election, you know, elected officials accountable. So we're big on, as a journalist, I'm big on. You know, and as a newspaper, we're big on, well, if you say you're going to do it, you got to do it.
0: Yeah, and the problem is is that not only are they not doing it, but it's costing us so much more. So the, the this administration under Mayor de Blasio has increased spending by 22%. Property tax levies have gone up 28%. Um, you know, and I, I imagine I mean, mostly homeowners here in Rockaways uh, from just driving around the, the neighborhood. Um, and so these people are very affected by, by it. And if they're renters, then that's cost that's being passed on to them anyway. Right. So no matter what, it's hurting the, the hardworking middle-class taxpayer. And under this administration, you know, there's really nobody looking out for, for the person who's you – know, the, the, the person who gets up every day, you know, gets on a train or gets in their car and sits in traffic and is, has to experience all this nonsense, traffic, transit nightmares, delays, uh, seeing somebody publicly urinating the train station – uh, litter not being picked up and trash cans overflowing you know it, it, no, what's, what's, what's most upsetting is that people are paying more now paying more in terms of property taxes water bills etc and they're getting less, much worse in terms of service because everything in terms of quality of life has deteriorated under Mayor de Blasio and that's what we've got to change and we have the ability to do that it just takes a matter of uh, you know forcing quality of life crimes again, uh, making sure that we're not allowing people who are up threats to the public to be released um, you know while they while they await their trial I mean the bail was put in place for a reason it was put in place so people who are danger to to the public and have a flight risk of not returning um, don't return. I'm not saying we need to be do do I certainly don't support mass incarceration or you know but but there's a there's a difference between allowing someone who has a mobile of a thousand dollars and perhaps their crime was trespassing or maybe shoplifting and then an individual who you know threatened to kill somebody or has or beat somebody where that person with in intensive care for three days those are two real examples that i'm telling you right now of individuals who have been released back into the public uh, under the mayor's supervised release program and so you know they're you know, that is not acceptable to be releasing people who are threatening to take the life of another individual. And that's what we see is these uh, people who are also mentally ill not getting the proper services. And that's also been an issue, uh, not only here in Rockaways, but uh, across the city.
1: Well, look, we certainly want to thank you for making the time and the uh, effort to not only visit the neighborhood, but to stop by the wave and to sit down with us and discuss these issues. So uh, if people want to support your campaign for mayor, what are the best ways for them to go about it?
0: This is the the thing you should put in the front of the podcast, make sure everyone heard it right. (laughs) It's www.nicoleformayor2017.com. That's my website. That's where they can uh, sign up to volunteer, to make a donation. Um, And certainly we would love the support of people, nicoleformayor2017.com. And also I have a Facebook page Uh, It's just Nicole Takis for NYC Mayor 2017, and I'm also on Twitter. So I ask people to follow me, be engaged, uh, share with your friends um, uh, my website, share with them that I'm in this race and that we have the opportunity to make New York City a better place, address the quality of life issues plaguing our city, address the crimes that have gone up, such as sex crimes that have gone up 25% under this administration, um, and also. Make our communities more friendly towards towards businesses, and so we can have create jobs and economic opportunity, and bring vibrancy to our communities and neighborhoods.
1: Thanks again for being with us. Penny. Thank
0: you.